welcome back to Cinema Vino. Oh, hey. Well, hey. Uh, continuing our Halloween series, uh, we got Sean Jordan. Hi. Travis Bud. What up? My name is Todd Wofford. On the ones and twos. And the ones and twos. And the trash symbols, as I do. I always like the trash symbol. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't have to sound good. It just has to sound loud. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the rule I live by. <laughs> just I, don't, I don't have to be good, just loud. Yep. I just have to carry. Um, so this week, we're going to do The Crow. Um, interesting pick. Got a lot to talk about on that one. Um, but first, uh, we are drinking The Executioner, which is a red... I'm going to call this a red blend. You can call it a, Sh- a Shiraz if you want to, um, but it's mostly Shiraz from Australia. Uh, Victoria, Australia, which is south uh, south central Australia. It's kind of east of Adelaide. Um, I'll be honest, Australian geography fucks me up oh it uh, i had to look it up on a map so. okay <laughs> full disclosure i wasn't exactly sure where that fell is sydney in victoria i, I, I don't think I, I think it's in like new melbourne I, I don't know i think melbourne's in new melbourne probably well, and then i thought that was a kind of toast but i don't know new melbourne um i hope we don't have any australian listeners <laughs> we don't anymore if that's the case <laughs> i'm turning this off <laughs> yeah gonna turn off my transistor radio so the executioner is a 85 percent straws uh 13 cab and two percent viognier you'll commonly see viognier mixed with red wines like shiraz to kind of soften them up a little bit spell viognier viognier it's a, it's a white wine and it's just a just a dollop in there v-i-o-g what there's a g in there v-i-o-g-n-i-e-r viognier there it is Mm-hmm. Huh, I knew that, but for our listeners. <laughs> Travis showing off his wine knowledge for you. If you had to do that in a spelling bee, how would how would you do? I don't I don't think I'd win. <laughs> I, I, I knew that there was a G. You just told me what it is and I still can't spell it. V I E G I E? V I G V I O G. N I D R. V and Y. V and Y. Mm-hmm. No. So it takes a little bit. It's like Gewurztraminer. You got to practice it a couple. Pretty times. sure you said the word nog in there. Is <laughs> <laughs> it niner in there somewhere? Um, An ampersand. <laughs> Ooh, that's good wine too. Ampersand. It is. So this is from the Sheenas Estate in Australia. So they are a Greek family that moved to Australia, opened up a a uh, pretty good winery. Uh, all their wines are, you would think, legal themed. But I, to me, they're more spiritual, like judgment themed. There's the guilty, the innocent, um, the executioner, sweet justice. Uh, all their stuff is, I think there's innocent bystander. They're all almost like spiritual judgment rather than, especially when you look at the labels. They don't, they don't strike me as legal. They're more like death and, you know, pearly gates kind of thing. That's gross. I don't do Greek. <laughs> so for the record, hmm. uh, Melbourne is in Victoria. Okay. Uh, Adelaide is not in Victoria. Adelaide is in South Australia. Mm-hmm. Sydney is in New South Wales, northeast of Victoria. Interesting. Yeah. Of course, their geography is all upside down, so south is actually north, right? Where does Newfoundland reference? <laughs> yeah. Newfoundland? That is in Canada. Mm-hmm. Newfoundland? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Different hemisphere, different. What's, what's the one from New Zealand? Isn't that Newfoundland? And that's pronounced New Zealand. Uh, what is New Zealand? Geography. This is a fun pod. <laughs> this has become uh, three dudes that were <laughs> public education. <laughs> Tulsa, there's, Oklahoma. There's a city called Wanyaka. F- fumbling around Wikipedia. 
<laughs> on the next cinema vino. Yeah. And call us in with your questions. We'll <laughs> look them up on Wikipedia, <laughs> but you can do it yourself. Well, V and Y on the map. Yeah. V and Y that's, that's uh, information they need to know if they're going to try and look up your wine. Exactly. So this is going to be pretty full, but pretty fruity. Um, I think this is a fun, both these wines we're going to do for this one and Friday night too. Pretty festive wines. This one's kind of juicy. This mm-hmm. is delicious. It's silky yeah. smooth. It's on the border being jammy, but it's not quite there. Mm-hmm. This would be a good, like a little bit. It's 30 bucks. It's a little bit of a splurge. So, I mean, this would be a good fun anniversary thing. It tastes you, like a splurge. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you made that sound kind of gross. I'm not gonna lie. That sounds like <laughs> a little bit of a gross catchphrase. Wow, it tastes, it tastes like, like a splurge. T- <laughs> um, it's almost like a soda they would drink in a porno. Blow it in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the hell are we talking about? So squeeze that grape. <laughs> I know, that's a little bit snapping to a slim jim. I like that. <laughs> I was thinking the Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Squeeze my lemon. I was thinking mm-hmm. gushers. Ooh. That Again, that just sounds great. When was the last time you guys had Gushers? <sighs> I mean, Prom the day. candy? <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a, a gelatin snack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fruit snack. Surprise in the middle. <laughs> so this is, uh, yeah, South, South Central Australia. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, a little bit jammy, a little bit like, you know, fruit forward. Just a fun wine. I mean, if you're doing something like a meal that's, you know, not quite a full-blown like phlegm and yon type stuff, but if you're doing a fun meal, anniversary, special occasions, it's a good wine to serve for that. It'd be a good one to bring as like a, you know, we're getting close to the holidays. You got to bring mm-hmm. something around too. Yeah. You know, like a Halloween party. This would be great for a Halloween party if and, you're bringing a bottle. Yeah, exactly. And if you're wearing kind of a more like a goth style costume or something kind of morbid, the label would be kind of fun to go with it. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's kind of like a burly Grim Reaper on that label, you know, with a big That's a band name. <laughs> 14.9% alcohol. Burly yeah. Grim Reapers. Yeah. 14 mine. That, that, woof. Okay. That'll get you. That'll get you. And then they'll go to work on you. But, so yeah, fun. Um, if you're looking for um, a good, um, kind of, mi- I call this mid, mid-range mid price-wise now, yeah. uh, Executioner by Sheenas. Um, so we're going to talk about the crow. This is one I wanted to do for a while. It's been on my list on my radar. And this was Taylor's pick, right? It was Taylor's that pick. Fucking bastard. And I think this is I've one. missed out on so many of the ones like, like Robocop and dread. I missed out on mm-hmm. Tay's missing out on, on crow. Mm-hmm. I missed out on clue. Tay's doing a walkabout right now, but he's actually in uh, Oklahoma city. So he's doing a walkabout in the city. He's at shyness estate. So if you see, <laughs> isn't he in new South Wales? He is. He's in Canberra. Which is in North South, uh, <laughs> North East. South Wonderland, <laughs> Capybara. Exactly. Uh, so this was released May thirteenth, nineteen ninety four, on a Friday the thirteenth. Maybe so. I mean, that would fit probably, the movie probably not. very well. I mean, well, May thirteenth, what year? Uh, ninety four. This grossed ninety four million against a twenty three million dollar budget. So this was a hit. Ooh, and I remember this being a hit. And I hate to say it, some of this is, some of this is due to the publicity around the movie and what happened behind right. the scenes. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. So this stars Brandon Lee. It was a Friday the 13th. Yeah, nice. that's, that fits the movie yep. so well. Although, again, if I were the people making this, I would stay away from all bad luck as much as possible. Well, it's kind of too late for that. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but, yeah, Brandon Lee, son of the late martial arts superstar Bruce Lee, and what would be his final and posthumous performance. 
this was directed by Alex Proyas, who also directed Dark City, which we covered for this pod. Oh, shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very similar vibes. This, yeah, yeah, the this, cityscapes this, are a lot. This mm-hmm. Predated Dark City? or Yeah. yeah okay, Dark City is 98. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I, I, I looked that up exactly because of that reason. Very basic plot to this story. Not a whole lot in terms of story. Um, this is an ugly, near-future Detroit uh, set on Halloween Eve or Devil's Night, October 30th. Um, criminals have ripped Detroit to pieces. Um, Eric Draven. Are you still on RoboCop? <laughs> yeah. Did you scroll down in the notes? <laughs> yeah, this is our second, uh, uh, you know, sundered Detroit movie we've done. So there you go. If we do eight mile, it'll be three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> does, does Marshall Mathers go fight crime? <laughs> in a way. That's a movie I would watch. I would watch this With shit. poetry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Eric Draven, uh, spying rock star, and his fiance uh, Shelly, played by Sophia Sheenas. Her name is Sheenas. So how about that? Hey, Ooh, look yeah. at that synchronicity. What are the odds? Uh, are killed by a group of violent thugs. One year later, Eric rises from the grave on Devil's Night the next year as an undead, superpowered vigilante. He brings revenge to the gang who murdered his fiance and him and seeks out the kingpin behind it all who is known as Top Dollar, played by Michael Wincott, who also appeared as Guy of Gisborne in uh, Robin Hood and Prince of Thieves. Ooh. I liked him in Nope. Did you see Nope? Yes. As the old uh, cinematographer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His voice. Real gravelly voice. Pure nope. gravel. Yeah. yeah. That was. He was also in Alien Resurrection. He was one of the, the like mercenary mm-hmm. guys. He was. But yeah, he, it was like the box. I don't of, think about that movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's like a big box of gravel that you got out of like the shed that's been in there since like the seventies, and you pour it out, and it's just dust. And then there's like, <laughs> yeah, there's like a dead bat in there somewhere. <laughs> um, he plays Top Dollar, who's he's the main overall bad guy. He's the boss. I guess he's what the end game boss of all these bad guys. Yeah, he's he's the boss level. Yeah. Uh, sporting players include Ernie Hudson, also known as Winston Zedmore, as a good-hearted beat cop, and Rochelle Davis as Sarah, who is a young girl that was who was once friends with the uh, doomed couple. Um, so, a little info about the incident behind the scenes. I did a little research on this. I knew of the vagaries of it, but I, didn't, I never knew like the specific details of what happened. Um, it's one of the most infamous incidents on a movie set. Uh, in history. Um, the only one that comes close that's involving a firearm is the one that happened a couple of years ago with Alt Baldwin on the set of a movie called Rust, in which the cinematographer was accidentally shot by Baldwin. Um, so the incident with the crow occurred on March 31st, 1993. Filming was about 80% done when Lee was killed filming an unused take for the movie. In that scene, Lee's character Eric Draven is shot by Michael Massey's character Fun Boy. After Draven witnesses the rape and murder of his girlfriend Shelley, uh, prior to filming that scene, the revolver in question had been filmed a couple of weeks earlier using dummy rounds. But due to uh, misuse and mishandling on set, someone pulled the trigger on the gun, and the dummy round there was enough gunpowder in there to push the dummy round into the barrel. And then later, when they filmed the scene where Lee is shot, uh, the, the armor was not there that day. I guess he had the day off for some reason, which wouldn't make sense on a day when people are shooting guns, but. Well, there were a lot of them shot on this day, but yeah, yeah, I get it. The armor was not there, and so the gun was was loaded with blank rounds, uh, which have gunpowder but no bullet in them. So no one was aware that there was a dummy round lodged in the barrel, so the, the gunpowder from the blank turned that bullet into a real bullet when it was fired. So Lee was shot in the abdomen and hit in the torso, which sliced his aorta. 
So, and then predictably, the result was a massive lawsuit brought by Lee's estate, which was settled out of court for undisclosed money. So, that's what I've got for this movie. So, talk about all that as much as we want. Yeah, that's, that's a fun recap. Yeah. So, um, Sean, had you ever seen this? Movie? I had not. I, I mean, I knew about The Crow. I knew it was like, basically, Hale is like the goth movie mm-hmm. to go, yeah. go watch. Um, I, I didn't realize that he had died until after I'd like, I was watching this movie and I was like, what else has he been in? Mm-hmm. So I went to IMDb and I was like, Oh, he died. Oh, he died in 93. When did this come out? It came out in 94. Yeah. And then I started reading more and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. He died on set. Ugh. Yeah. With, uh, I think about eight days left of filming. Yeah. So they had to, we'll talk about that in a minute. They had to do some creative stuff to finish it. So, um, he's not in certain parts of the movie. Tie back to something we've talked about a, couple times on the pod is school shootings this was a movie that inspired the columbine shooters Mm -hmm. in in a lot of weird ways they referenced this movie did too yeah yeah weird there there was that i I never looked at any of that stuff i read a book about them a couple years ago now they they had artwork that was inspired by this movie drawn in their notebooks which is kind of the antithesis of what this movie is about right yeah so Hmm. fuck those guys yeah um but this movie kind of had like a weird power in the 90s of just like there was a lot of the satanic panic. There was a lot of like anti-goth, for lack of a better term, like anti-goth mentality mm-hmm. coming from a lot of, um, especially in 94, there was a lot of that coming from Tipper Gore and um, Hillary Clinton. Censorship. During the re-election. Crusaders. Since yeah. The censorship cr- crusaders, the pearl yeah. clutching. Uh-huh. That was a big part of their campaign for 94. So this movie kind of fell in those, those crosshairs. Yeah along with, you know, rap music and curse words and songs led to a lot of like fucking kids bop mm-hmm. coming out. <laughs> um, so thanks Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, this movie had a lot of power in the nineties just because I think this was one of the first like big portrayals of like goth culture and mm-hmm. it was just like dark and edgy. It's kind of a goth death, death wish. Yeah. It's almost like an undead goth. I hope I hope you treat me like shit and I come back to, to haunt you after I die. Yeah. I'm going to hang out in graveyards because it's cool. I'm going to ride my skateboard and I'm going to wear stockings and I'm going to be moody and I'm going to hang out with a cop and eat hot dogs. Pull my hair over my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which, uh, we can get into emo. That's a whole thing that came in the, in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. But very much connected. There's a through line there for sure. It's a sequel almost to this. Yeah. Um, Follow up. But, you know... I, I think this movie was like a counterculture, um, like cornerstone. Like mm-hmm. there, there, there were a lot of people that hitched their wagon to this movie just because it was a portrayal of a culture that was, you know, not as popular. Mm-hmm. And watching it now, you know, twenty years later, it is thirty years later. We're thirty years later. Twenty nine, yeah, Jesus, exactly. Um, it's real angsty. Like it it permeates this and I my initial reaction because I didn't realize that they had to do a lot of like creative editing because you know the main character died early use of CGI too is yeah they heavily CGI'd it there was a lot of like really heavy handed cinematography early on there was a lot of like jump cuts there was a lot of like zoom ins on things going from hand to hand like people dropping things and it's like why Mm -hmm. this feels so awkward and forced and it's like okay it's awkward and forced because they couldn't actually show you know 20% 20% of the movie. Yeah. Um, so I think in that way, it's, it's impressive that they were able to put out the movie at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the final product didn't age that well. Yeah. You know, um, just because if, you know, notwithstanding the death on, on set, um, 
I think just the general vibe is very much a slice of the time. Like it, it's very much a, a taken out of its time and it just doesn't, uh, doesn't have the staying power. Yeah. But the cultural significance is obvious. You yeah. know, this feels like it was like early goth days, a very influential aesthetic to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is the aesthetic that would go on to haunt teenagers rooms for the next 10 years. And to me, I mean, I can see distant relations, obviously in dark city, but then even stuff like the matrix and mm-hmm. there, there's a, there's a feel to that. The matrix took what this did and made it mainstream. Yeah. I mean, a little more, a little leaner. I mean, obviously a little more, what's the word industrial. You know, it's a little cleaner than this. This is a very grimy. Yeah. A little less Detroit and a little more corporate Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A little more brownstone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can see the influence of this movie throughout, like you say, for the next 10 plus years easily. So what would you give it? Oh, uh, I got to set aside my feelings for this, like the, the angsty goth vibe, because it's just real awkward. Yeah. But if, if I, if I can get past that, I give this movie a six, five. I like that. I think it's a, a respectable six, five, mm-hmm. not quite a seven, not quite a six. Yeah. You know? That's good. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear that opinion of someone who hadn't seen it or experienced that nostalgia of it from back in the day. Yeah. So for me, I remember what a big deal it was when it came out, Um, even because of the situation behind it. It it attracted a curiosity. I was going to say, it probably built a lot of hype at the time. Yeah. I don't want to say there was a lot of rubbernecking involved to it, like of watching. But a morbid curiosity for sure. Yeah. It's like, we don't want to look, but man, you know, it's like always that, are we going to see the scene where he got killed? You know, that kind of a whisper was going on around it. Yeah. It probably helped the film's box office, but also the fact that he was Brandon Lee's son, or Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee's son, and Bruce Lee died a very mysterious death as well. That they have never really, I don't think, resolved what happened to him. He and I forget what he was in his. It early, wasn't an onset incident, was it? No, um, he got some mystery illness. And I don't think they ever diagnosed what it was. He just very quickly got sick and died. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just strange at a young age. So, you know, that people drew a lot of parallels when that happened. Of like, there's a curse. You know, it would be like JFK, JFK Jr. It's like there's something weird at work there. Hmm. So it definitely had that vibe for it. And that's a good chunk of its grossness for that. I don't know if it would have gotten as much of attention otherwise. Maybe Randy Lee would have been a big star. I don't know. He definitely has the looks, the name recognition. Well, and I, that yeah, that was the thing is I was like, this guy would have been a star. Like, what else was he in? Mm-hmm. And yeah, nothing. Yeah, it was nothing. But yeah, it was definitely a career that was cut short. He had kind of a creepy face. He did, <laughs> and you know we can get into that here in a minute. But it's like they one of the workarounds they have that worked in their favor for him missing a week and a half of shooting. Which you're talking a week and a half of shooting on probably an eight week shoot. Yeah. Um, they he's already in makeup, so they that gives them some workaround that filming him from a distance. It makes yeah. it easier to hide that that's not him. They used his stunt double for some of those scenes. The the real awkward thing is it pretty much his introduction as the crow. He wasn't there for, so they had to use like um, basically that sequence where he goes up to his apartment, he hangs from the rafters or whatever the broken glass. That's not him. Well, they yeah they do a lot of stuff with like his silhouette, right? Mm-hmm. They do a lot of stuff where he's like backlit, you don't actually see his face. And then they do one lightning Close-ups flash. Close up his hands. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of clever. They obviously had limited CGI. But there's one lightning flash where they show his face and the lightning, but it, that's a CGI face on a stunt double. Hmm. So, but then all the scenes of him playing electric guitar, that's not him. 
What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, the scenes where the little, the little girl goes up the apartment and like, you don't even care about me or whatever. That's, he's, he was not. And you just see his silhouette just like flash in the window. Yeah. And yeah. They, mm. they dubbed in a voice that sounds like him. So, mm. huh. mm. so there, there's quite a few of that mixed in the movie. They didn't, he wasn't. Oh, also I, I can't not mention that the fact that they named him Eric Draven, Draven, uh-huh. Draven. Is the most goth stupid thing in the world. <laughs> Quoth the Raven, the Nevermore. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well have named him Edgar Allen. Yeah. Edgar Allen the Raven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Travis, you're, you've seen this before. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I was racking my head to try and think. There was two scenes I wanted to talk about, and right now I can only think of uh, immediately um, that this film. Uh, uh, was I, I saw Aragorn walking through the doors when he pushed in the cathedral doors mm-hmm. with the whole the hair flopping in the way and I was like fuck that's Aragorn alright I don't know crack, if that was supposed to be another or, or what mm-hmm. there was another part though that was I swear was in another movie god I hope I remember it I wish I had written it down but I saw this movie uh, rented it from Blockbuster back in the day because mm. I knew it was comic book related and I'm all about the comic books and I was um, rented it and was watching it and I was like ah I think I made the wrong choice I don't know if uh, you know some of our listeners that are you know my age and older that remember Blockbuster or Hollywood Video will get that um, buyer's remorse when you can only get like two videos you that only your parents will let you watch for the weekend or you can get a game or something but I got this movie I was like oh okay this will be something different and I get home and I'm watching and I was like oh, fuck I wasted this this is <laughs> this was this is a lesson um, so I didn't super love it um, and I didn't remember much of it I just went into the scene back then the whole like uh, I, I know this uh, people talk about the soundtrack all the time that it's a great soundtrack um, all these like grunge tracks yeah. and uh, and everything and, and, and just the, the feel of it the first thing I loved about it this time around um, it was a whole new ball game I really loved the cityscapes coming in from the beginning <laughs> and I was like this reminds me of Dark City and I hadn't even looked it up when you said it was came from Dark City later. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. But it already put me in the mood uh, stylistically for what we were going for. Yeah. And I know everybody, uh, um, they likened this to uh, Gotham City. And it reminded me of Batman where he's going to the, up the cathedral again to chase down the villain. Um, I actually thought that I hadn't seen this movie when I started watching it. Uh, what was his name? Michael Wincott that mm-hmm. played Top Dollar? Yeah. I thought I had watched like the sequel, City of Angels or something, because I was like, in this, is Nick Michael Cage Wincott movie? in it? Is it City of Angels or Crow's City of Angels? It was the Crow, but something like that. It something was like, of Angels. Angels City of, of Angels was Nick Cage. Because uh, I forget who, because the, they obviously had other... They had oh, different. before I... Uh, yeah. Uh, Daniel... Uh, cinematography by Darius Walski and the production designed by Alex McDowell. And the cityscape was designed by McDowell and the production team was described by McCarthy as rendered imaginatively. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give a shout out to Alex McDowell because I, I loved it. Good looking movie. Yeah, yeah. The Crow City of Angels. Is the other it was? Yeah. Okay, I was about to look it up. And I want to say... It's a 1997 video game. I, yeah, I thought I saw... I thought I had watched that one when I started this, but it wasn't until I saw Top Dollar I was like, "Okay, shit, this is the the movie I had seen." Yeah, um, yeah, I, I actually really dug it this time around. Uh, you know, 
I'm <laughs> being going from watching it at like age 12 or 14 or whatever to now. I really I see what they're doing and I appreciate it a lot more than I did then. Yeah. Then I wouldn't have given this movie the time of day. I, I didn't. A lot of these that I liked back then, I would buy on VHS or DVD, so I would have it around to watch. This one was a no, thank you, and I never watched any of the uh, sequels. Um, this time around, I absolutely loved it. I was on board. I think because I couldn't quite define his powers back in the day, and I also didn't like comic book movies where only the superhero had powers. If he didn't fight another guy with powers, I was like, this isn't fair. Well, Which, they, they did the opposite. They took his powers away. That's right. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they always do that. Nobody can fight Superman. They somehow take his superpowers away. Like, ha now. I was like, you're just saving money. That's just <laughs> like my best, the greatest movie ever, Meteor Man. He was the only one with meteor powers and until somebody else picked it up and they got powers and then they had a whole super sh- fight showdown at the end. But, you know, that, that's a podcast for another time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's just like, in D&D terms, to get nerdy, he's a revenant. He's come back from the dead to exact revenge on uh, his murderers. And normally a revenant, at least in D&D terms, a lot of times they only have one year to like come back to life to get to have their revenge or whatever. And they basically can't be killed. They're undead. They keep getting shot down and then they'll get back up. Now, are you implying that top dollar is a paladin? No, not quite. I'm just saying <laughs> that Eric Draven is a revenant with a crow familiar. Hmm. There he is. Now he's trying to place his powers because obviously some of them are a little bit vampiric. He has some kind of vampire esque powers. Well, he's just undead. He just keeps healing and coming back. So yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and he could see through his crow's eyes like a warg in Game of Thrones. Yeah. A um, lot of gunfights in this. Oh, I remember, ammo. I remember the other scene, Dark Knight, where Heath Ledger comes in and is talking to all the yes, other. I remember that. As soon as he walked in and was like, hey, guys, here I am. Mm-hmm. The only thing different, I mean, he, you know, they both had the, the hair all in the face and the white makeup and the, the black eyes. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I... I love Dark Knight, and I never, and I've seen this movie. I never would have made that connection, but as soon as he showed up, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I thought about that as well. Or yeah, something, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and it's like if you're on the other end of that table, it's like the when somebody comes in like that fearlessly, probably a bad sign. Yeah, you know, it's like either they they're not worried about dying or and I think Michael Wincott like uh, when I I think I recently saw an article about the top 25 greatest um, comic book villains ever top dollar was on there I was like who the fuck is top dollar <laughs> why and I went what are the greatest villains I have yeah. no idea I, I, I didn't remember him from this he almost didn't even come into play like Eric almost put himself to bed before killing the main villain. He yeah. was just like, all right, I got all the guys. Yeah. All the ones he going back about. to bed. Yeah. And then he was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Something's afoot. Mm-hmm. And, but he does the, the bad guys do have kind of a thing like his, uh, half sister by Ling in this has kind of witchy type powers. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's like, the paladin. Yeah. Well, she's like the witchy gal, mm-hmm. but, uh, just like in, um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that Michael Wincott was also in. Mm-hmm. You know, the sheriff also had his his witch, the painted man. Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, so I, I'm with Sean with this. I, I give it a six point five. I was very pleasantly surprised this mm-hmm. time, and I'll probably watch this again very soon. Yeah, 
Oh, just going back to the cast. Um, I will say that the the guy from the Warriors uh, is one of the bad guys in this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I was trying. It took me a while to place him. Yeah, because he he looked completely different. I think he's the one that gets strapped to his car and mm-hmm. exploded. Yes. Yeah. The devil. The, behold, the devil stood. Whatever, and saw how awful goodness is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. T Bird. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't. David Patrick Kelly. Oh, and Tony Todd in this. Yes. The old Candyman and. One of my favorites from the Night of the Living Dead 90s remake. And him in this movie, how much did you think of him as Blade at this point when he was in his scenes? Like, Oh, I didn't. He, yeah, I was like, he looks like he could play Blade right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm in the same boat with you guys, 6'5". Um, that's probably what I would have given it back in the day. Um, mm, I, I would have given it a four in back in the day. <laughs> I was not pleased. Yeah. I think that... I even on its own merits, I enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, it, it's a good, I think, a good like fun Halloween movie. It's obviously, it doesn't fit the horror mold at all, but it definitely has. It's set. It, it's quintessential Halloween. It's Devil's yeah. Night. Yeah, you know. And I mean, you got an un, basically an undead vigilante superhero. Wait, also, if this is supposed to happen on Devil's Night, I feel like this movie spans like four days. Mm-hmm. They keep being like, "It's Devil's Night." I'm like, "It." The sun has set yeah. like five times. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think he got brought back a couple days before then because didn't the little kid she wakes up and her mom's making her eggs and stuff there's a couple days before that i think yeah that he got no but like top dollar is like it's devil's night you know what that means yeah Mm -hmm. but don't do it yeah because he does say are you coming back tomorrow night and like you got to go find out what happened to this pawn shop guy Mm -hmm. oh who was oh no never mind he was in lebowski Oh yeah. yeah, he's in a bunch Who's of stuff. The Knutsons. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a fellow brother, Seamus. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, is he not the? No, he he. I guarantee you, you IMDb that guy. He's kind of swore. Isn't he the the stepdad in Matilda? I I would not shock me. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Because I mean, it's like he's one of the people you won't see him and you think. Well, in Matilda's is Danny DeVito. Yeah, but, but and is he the evil? Like I feel like. I think he's a villain in that. Yeah. I feel like he's in Matilda. Let me let me let me check. But yeah, I guarantee you his IMDb IMDb page is blown. He's up. a character actor, you know. He's one of those faces that you just see and you're like, oh yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was his name? Gideon, John Polito. I think so. But yeah, he's one of the people. that's like if you need like a if you need a sleazy pawn shop guy, he's your guy. He is exactly who I picture. Yeah. Or if you need, I mean, basically, or like an NPC in Seinfeld or something. Yeah. You need somebody for the gang to interact with and just be weird. He's your guy. Oh, I will say, okay, uh, looking at Wikipedia, um, I forgot. There was uh, filmed scenes with uh, actor Michael Berryman Mm -hmm. uh, as the skull cowboy, Eric's spirit guide. But his scenes were cut from the finished film. Yeah. They had had like a cowboy like spirit guide? Yeah. This guy who was also... Just and he's he's gonna guide uh, Brandon Lee basically his character through between worlds or whatever he's gonna mm-hmm. be like almost like a spirit guide, um, but, but yeah they couldn't film those scenes I'm guessing because yeah uh, obvious reasons but yeah I, I think it's it's a and like you said I'll watch it again at some point it's an interesting movie I also always got him confused with the uh, wrestler Sting I was like why is this guy yeah, going yeah <laughs> like. What's with the the Sting wrestler makeup? Similar, and then I don't know if Sting pants. got like uh, a boost from that from the crow. Or something. Well, this was around his Fields of Gold time, so that was you know <laughs> Fields of Gold. Yeah, well, this was like you know every little thing she does. Oh, magic. I mean, the wrestler. Kind of, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was very confused for a second. <laughs> 
But yeah, this is before the. <laughs> but those were the two things I, I the Dark Knight and Aragorn were the two scenes I was like, holy shit, and the Dark City, which I'm. That's interesting. I'm glad glad I know that now. No. Um, well, it's very obvious. Like, it, it kind of seems like Dark City was kind of a, a part two to try again. Well, it, was, yeah. it seemed like yeah. they would just wanted to eat, reuse those things right, too. Guys, let's do this again. Nobody kill anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this would be great. Uh, there was a credit that it was dedicated to Brandon and Eliza. I think that's, uh, that's his fiance. fiance. Yeah. Uh, it was his fiance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say it's interesting because it's like taking the Alec Baldwin thing into account. It's so rare for that to happen on a movie set. Well, it's wild for it to have happened twice. Yeah. Well, the the uh, the actor that that shot him uh, accidentally, um, I guess, had a breakdown and was like uh, quit acting for yeah. a year. As Michael Massey, fun boy, the guy that gets uh, all the syringed up. Yeah. But I had seen him. Obviously, he's been in a bunch of shit too. Yeah. But you can understand that reaction. Yeah. My God. You know, it's obviously, it's not your fault, but the guilt must be overwhelming. Yeah. I would take a break from acting for a year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But usually, yeah, there's people, this movie sets are so careful about that kind of thing. You think about all the war movies, Westerns, gangster movies, like all the millions of bullets that have ever been fired. And that's happened twice that I can ever think of. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, this has been another episode of cinema. Vino. this is the crow, uh, Brandon Lee. Um, and yeah, so our, our next series, this will be this episode will air um, maybe on Devil's Night. I can't remember the exact Ooh. night, but Ooh. yeah, our next episode we will start our twins series because uh, I'm about to be the parent of twins. So Ooh. we'll talk about that. Well, plus the kid you already have. That's so, us. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, I just want to reiterate: uh, while we gave this film a six five, we would definitely recommend, uh, recommend to watch it. I would yeah. anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. Cultural significance yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's a thumbs up. That's a conditional thumbs up. Still, it's yeah. It's still still a fun time, but for you know on par with Casablanca mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but not quite up there with Bloodsport that's right <laughs> um, just gotta keep it consistent around here <laughs> that's, that's the name of our game um, so yeah great movies Only Drunker Travis Bud, Peace Sean Jordan Deuce and I'm Toddy can't rain all the time can't rain, can't rain all the time. time we will see you guys next time bye Be sure to listen, rate, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our website is cinemavino.net, and reviews of these films can be found at toddwaffordmovies.com.